Hey, Valley family, we are kicking off a brand new series today that I am so excited about uh, for the next six weeks. We're going to be looking at the armor of God, and this is going to be a powerful series, just going to really help us uh, in terms of spiritual warfare. That's why we're calling this series SWAT, Spiritual Warfare and Tactics, and uh, we're going to be jumping in just one second. Before we do, though, I just want to mention our up-and-coming Connexus Conference uh, this March 29th and 30th, uh, and that is really about empowering Christian leaders just like you right where you are, where God has placed you. We're hosting it here, and uh, I'm so excited about this because I came across some statistics recently, pretty mind-blowing, that said 70% of Christians are unsure how their work serves God. 70%. 78% say their work is less valuable than their pastors. In other words, what I do is so much more important than what you do Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday. And nothing could be further from the truth. That's totally wrong. It's false. It's a lie. And the reality is a lot of time clergy are the ones that are responsible for kind of putting that air on. Not me. That, that's not, not who I want to be because I understand God's word. That's not what it says. 60% of Christians have no clarity whatsoever about their calling. And so that's what the Connexus Conference is all about. Uh, you'll, you'll see uh, on your seat, your cup holder there, uh, a little uh, card that's going to tell you a little bit more about it. I hope you'll pray about joining us March 29th and 30th. The 29th on Friday night is completely free. You can just kind of come and, and see what it's all about. And then on the 30th, we have an all-star lineup of folks that are going to be talking about uh, how they are really, God's using them in their life and through their life to be salt and light the other six days. Not Sunday, but the other six days. That's what the theme is. And so you'll find out a lot more information about that when you go to our website, Connexus Leaders uh, website there. All that's on that card. So, so please encourage you to, to check that out. Uh, and we have some huge announcements coming up about Connexus Leadership Network that's really a, a part of, uh, based out of our church here, where it actually is going national come June, uh, partnering with another organization. We're also starting our own Bible Institute. Some real exciting things coming out from Connexus Leadership Network. I hope you'll make plans to join us. And as we start this series off, I just want to give a, a big shout out to a few people. First of of all, to Liquid Church uh, that has helped us so much in this series and the preparation and, and planning of this series. And, and also a big shout out to our Poughkeepsie campus. It was so great for Susie and I to be with you guys last week and uh, so many that shifted up that way, close to 300 people last Sunday uh, at Regal Cinemas. And, and we just love uh, uh, our campus there and all the people that are serving and stepping up uh, at our Poughkeepsie campus and of course all of you online that are joining us. Hundreds and hundreds of devices every single week. Uh, 300, 350 different devices logging in. And so welcome everyone. Uh, and let's jump in now uh, in terms of SWAT, spiritual warfare and tactics. Let me ask you a question uh, by show of hands here. How many of you have ever heard of spiritual warfare before? Okay, that's great. Uh, how many of you have no clue what we're talking about? That's good, too. That's why we're doing this. This was the number one question in our Christmas surveys that you wanted to hear about, and that was about spiritual warfare. And so uh, before we jump in and look at the armor of God, I, I want to kind of lay the groundwork, some foundational stuff about spiritual warfare that's really, really important for us to understand. So if you have your Valley app, go ahead and open that up and, and follow along with me. Uh, I think this whole six-week journey we're going to be on together uh, is 
is going to be incredibly empowering, informative, and really going to put in each of our hands, maybe for the first time, the tools that we can win and be victorious when it comes to spiritual battles every one of us faces, whether we realize it or not. So the first thing is so that's so important that we understand is this. The Christian life is not a playground. It's a battleground. The Christian life is not a playground. It's a battleground. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, it's not like all of a sudden uh, when we're born again, all of a sudden life gets easy. Far from it. Christian life is, is really, really tough as well. In fact, in some ways, you may say it's even tougher because now the spiritual battle that we face is, is really kind of amped up. The, the gear has been turned the heat is on in, a, in a, a much greater way. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 5, the Bible says the weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. So it's a battle. It's not a playground. We're not on swings and teeter-totter, you know, and all those things. We have weapons. It's a, it's a battle that's going on. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. That's what we're going to be talking about. These weapons that God's given to you, God's given to me as believers, that, that have divine power in them to demolish strongholds. Now watch. It's going to talk about where these battles actually take place. A majority of these battles take place. Look at what it says. It goes on and says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Where's most of these spiritual battles happening? In our own minds. In our own mind and thinking. And so it says we demolish every argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So so important to realize that uh, majority of spiritual warfare and battle, it doesn't take place out there. It takes place up in here. Up in here. In our minds, in our thoughts. And so this is so critical. A Christian life, the Christian life is not a playground. It's a battleground. Now that being said, let, let's think about spiritual warfare in a general sense. Uh, again, kind of the foundational stuff that we need to really have down pat if we're going to build on it. And the first thing is that Satan is God's enemy, but he's not his equal. This is so vitally important. Satan is God's enemy, but he's not an equal. It's not yin and yang. It's not, it's not equality. There's not dualism at all. Far from it, as we're going to see. So Satan is God's enemy, but he's not his equal. Some Christians can fall into the trap of overemphasizing Satan's power or, or the, the, the spiritual warfare that we have, and they run into all kinds of weirdness and, and, and difficulty, and can I put it this way, defeat. So let me show you quickly uh, two unbalanced perspectives when it comes to spiritual warfare. The first is the unbalanced naturalist view. The unbalanced naturalist view, and that is, so, so the Bible talks about the enemies that we're fighting against is the world, the flesh, and the devil, Satan. And so the unbalanced view is, well, Satan, he's not really real. You know, that's just a figment of imagination. Not really real. What's real is the flesh, and what's real is all this outside worldly stuff that's trying to mess with me. And this is an unbalanced, this is not a biblical perspective at all. Satan's just, oh, it's tiny, insignificant, it doesn't really matter. And, and so this is unbalanced. This is not the teaching of Scripture. This view denies the Bible's clear teaching that there is a very real spiritual enemy that every one of us is facing, and that's Satan. 
And so this view is not a biblical view at all. The second view is an unbalanced, spiritualized view. And, and let's show what that looks like. The flesh, the world, you know, really, it's not those things that are really bothering us at all. It's Satan. It's all Satan. Perhaps Satan did it, you know. Remember the old church lady on Saturday Night Live? Well, perhaps Satan. Everything's blaming on Satan. Listen, Satan's not the reason you got pulled over for speeding, sweetheart. You were speeding. Don't blame that on Satan. I know so many Christians, they just blame everything on Satan all the time. This is unbalanced. This is not the teachings of Scripture. So what is the balanced biblical perspective? The balanced biblical view is this right here. Let's show it. It looks like Mickey Mouse in a way. So, so you have the flesh. You know what? I have a sin nature, the flesh, and it wants to do all kinds of stuff that doesn't please God. And then the world, there's outward temptations as well. But also, just as real is Satan. And so this is the balanced view. The world, the flesh, and the devil, Satan, that we have to overcome, and God's given us the tools and the weapons to overcome. So you can't always say, the devil made me do it. A lot of stuff we do, the devil wasn't responsible for, Greg did it. You did it on your own. That's the flesh, the desires of the flesh, the, the worldly desires. It's not Satan's responsibility. So Satan, the flesh, and the world work together, and they play off of each other. That's why this is the right diagram. And, and, and to take an example, for instance. Satan can tempt someone, and I say someone instead of just men, with pornography because it's a growing uh, problem with women as well. Satan can tempt someone with pornography. That person's flesh has the inclination to look at the images, and the world makes it readily accessible. So you see the flesh, Satan, and the world working in tandem, tandem what? To defeat a Christian through just something like pornography, for instance. And so this can be, if we don't know, our, our, if we don't utilize the spiritual weapons God's given to us, this can pack a powerful punch. But God has made a way. And that's what this whole entire series is about. When, when they work together, they would seem unstoppable, but God has given us a way to defeat the enemy. God gives you his own weapons. God gives you his own weapons. Now, now I, I've preached on this before, done a series about the armor of God before, but it never really occurred to me until studying it this time that, that it's called the armor of God. It's not the armor of Greg. It's not the armor of, of Bill. It's not the armor of, of Peggy. It's the armor of God. He gives us his weapons. He gives you and me his weapons. And that's why they have divine power, because they're his. He gives you his own weapons. And so let's look at this now in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, beginning verse 10 through 17. I just want to read through the whole thing, unpack it a little bit, and then we're going to dive into the first weapon that it talks about there. But just to give us the whole background of what's happening, I just want to read through it. Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 10 through 17. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Again, God's power is available to you and me. Put on, everybody say put on, put on the full armor of God. Now what's interesting here, just time out. 
Ephesians is one of what's called the pastoral epistles, or pr- I'm sorry, the prison epistles. The prison epistles because the apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he was actually under house arrest, and he was writing to these churches, and Ephesus is one of the churches. He's under house arrest. Now think about this for a minute. He's under house arrest, and he's probably looking over, and there's a Roman centurion that is guarding him, literally. And when he looks over, I just imagine, when he looks over at that Roman centurion, the Holy Spirit starts speaking to him and says, you know, that's like the weapons I, I've given every Christian to defeat the works of the enemy in their life, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so he's describing what is just so common, that picture in the first century church of a Roman centurion, and he's drawing the parallel between the weapons that God's given to you and me. Pretty awesome when you think about it. And so he says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. It's like four or five times in this passage, it talks about standing. That's what God wants to do, to stand. That we don't fall down. That we don't sin, we don't fail. We take our stand. Take a stand against the devil's schemes. What is it? He's got a plan. I say this all the time. It's so important. Not only does God have a plan for your life, you know what? The devil has a plan for your life too. To rob, steal, and destroy. To steal, kill, and destroy. He's got a scheme. And it goes on and it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That means it's not your mother-in-law that's the problem. No, it's not your boss. That's not our struggle. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. There's a a scheme of Satan that is trying to mess with our relationships, hold us back from fulfilling God's plan and purpose for our lives. Our struggle is not against our spouse. It's not against our kids. It's not against any person. It's not flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now let me just unpack this for a minute. Rulers, authorities, powers of the dark world, spiritual forces, that's all saying that not only is there Satan, but Satan has kind of a rank and file as well of of our spiritual enemies. And Paul says that's who we're fighting against. It's not what is seen. It's not the person who's seen. It's not the stuff we can taste and touch, feel, and smell. We're fighting against, there's a spiritual reality that is just as much a reality and sometimes even more of a reality than the stuff we can see and taste and touch and smell. He says that's where the battle is. That's where the battle is in heavenly realms. Spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. It goes on and it says, Therefore, put on, there it is again, two times, put it on. We need to know what this armor of God is so we can put it on every single day. Put on the full armor of God. In other words, it's complete. There's nothing missing. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to, there it is, stand your ground. Stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, there it is again, third time, stand. Stand. After you've done everything to stand, it goes on and says, stand firm, number four, right there. Stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth. And that's what we're going to look at uh, in just a second. Buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, goes on, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. What is it talking about? 
thoughts, ideas, verbal accusations and, and negativity and curses have been spoken over us. It goes on and says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is, here it is, the Word of God. This is the sword of the Holy Spirit. And that's why this is so important. It's so important every day that you and I spend time in God's Word. Otherwise, we're going into battle without a sword. Leaving the sword at home. It's so really, really important that we understand the spiritual warfare and tactics that God has given to you and to me. And so let's look at, let's start to unpack this now, this armor of God. Let's look at the belt of truth. And this is a good picture of it right here, what the belt of truth would look like uh, for a Roman century. In fact, I, I kind of think of it this way, you know, like a weightlifting belt like this. And I don't know what it is about this. I just kind of want to go, Hulkamania is running wild. How are my little Hulksters out there, you know? <clears throat> I know it's backwards, but you get the point. The belt of truth is the first thing that, that, that the scripture describes. It's so, it all begins here with the belt of truth. In the Roman times, you look at this, this belt would be put on first and everything else, it's the, the sword, all this, is hung off the belt. They're over 70 pounds. When a, when a Roman centurion had all of his armor and equipment on, it was over 70 pounds that he was packing. And it all starts with the belt. You know, if, if you've done any... Uh, weightlifting or, or working out or anything like that. You know, a lot of fitness people, you know, they talk about your core. Your core has to be strong because if your core is not strong, you know, a lot of guys, they do the curls for girls in the gym. They're standing there in front of the mirror all the time and they're just looking and they're hoping all the girls check them out and all that stuff and they forget their core. I, I used to, man, I was crazy when I was younger, working out all the time. I had a six-pack. In fact, my buddies and I used to work out so much, we had a standing kind of uh, uh, offer to, to our group of friends in high school, you could walk up to any one of us at any time and punch as hard as you could in the stomach. And we wouldn't, we wouldn't retaliate. And people, guys just come up there, hey, Greg, how you doing? Boom, just like that. And it, it kind of forced us, you know, we, we already had kind of an uh, obsession about doing the Rocky three, Rocky four workout is what we did. Uh, it forced us to always make sure we had our core. You know, our six-pack was full. Now, you know, I kind of, look more like a keg but anyway uh but but the belt of truth it's all about the core and listen as you get older if you don't have a strong core you know what what you find is as you get older a little more years in age you start slumping more and more and more and when you get real old you may end up in a wheelchair because you ignored your core and so the scripture starts with the core of the belt of truth the belt of truth it's so important. It's, it's not random that, that the Holy Spirit speaks through Paul and says, start with the core. Start with the belt of truth. Because everything starts with the truth. Everything hangs on the truth. So let, let's look at this, uh, this, this belt of truth because in any battle, if your core is not strong, your core support you're going to fail. And it's the most critical muscle area in your body is your core. Your core gives you balance. Your core gives you stability under pressure. 
It's where your full body strength really comes from. Uh, when, when I played football, when I coached high school football, I coached quarterbacks, I played quarterback, and, and one of the things I used to always tell the quarterbacks, I was like, you've got to build your core. It's amazing how much throwing a football has to do with your abs. I would tell my quarterbacks all the time, if you're doing it right, your stomach should hurt after practice. After throwing passes, if you're really doing it right, when your core, your core has got to be strong. The balance, stability, strength comes from. Paul said God's truth is your core support, the belt of truth. Everything else depends on it. All the armor that we're going to look at in the weeks to come, it all depends on starting with the core, the truth of the belt, the belt of truth. And isn't that honest? I mean, we think about our, our culture today. Our, our culture uh, doesn't, don't take a strong stand for anything. But God says, no, truth, take a stand for truth, and that truth with a capital T, the truth. In fact, when it comes to absolute truth, our our culture is flabby. (laughs) It really is flabby and weak when it comes to absolute truth. But, But God says, no, be firm and strong and stand your ground if you're gonna be victorious in spiritual warfare. Paul says if you're going to stand your ground and survive an enemy's attack, you need to be strong in your core with the belt of truth and set aside all other beliefs that aren't anchored in God's truth, in God's word, his objective truth. And when you think about it, this if there's any truth, that means there's also falsehood. In order for anything to be true, that means there's got to be a lot of other stuff that's false. So there is real truth. So the rest of the time that we have together, I, I want to talk, just, just share with you, talk about four big ideas about the belt of truth. Four big ideas about the belt of truth so that we can be strong in our core. In our core. So we can do the heavy lifting, spiritually speaking, that God wants you and I to do. So four truths about Four ideas about the belt of truth. Here's the first one. The devil deals in deception. That is his number one weapon. The devil deals in deception. That's what he does more than anything else. In the garden with Adam and Eve, deceit. That's what he does in your life. That's what he does in my life as well. In fact, Jesus said this about the devil. About Satan, look at John chapter 8, verse 44. He says, uh, he's confronting religious leaders at the time, and this is what he says, you belong to your father, the devil. Now, now that messes with a lot of us because we don't read the Bible. Because we just think Jesus is always so sweet, always so kind, and how would you like it when he turns to you and goes, you are of your father, the devil. As I like to say, reading the Bible can mess you up as a Christian. Because we have all these preconceived ideas of what Jesus is, who he is, all this stuff. Instead of reading his actual words, what, what, he, what he actually said. He said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. He rejected the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. What language does the devil speak? Lies. That's what language. Lies. He speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Time out. Parents, let me talk to you for just a minute. Have zero tolerance 
for lying in your kids? Zero. Zero. We, we told our kids all the time, if you're honest with us, there may be some consequences. You, you mess up, there may be some consequences. You lie to us, we are going to drop the weight of the world on you in terms of discipline and punishment. Because lying is not in the kingdom of God. Falsehood, gossip, just white lies. There are no colors. A lie is a lie is a lie. And the language of Satan is lies. He is the father, he, for, uh, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. And so the devil deals in deception. Satan is a master manipulator. He can twist reality. He distorts our perceptions of how we think. And so let me give you a couple of examples of that. For instance, like that unhealthy relationship that you're in. It's, it's really abusive. It's really codependent. But somehow Satan just twists it into making you think that it's really beautiful and essential to your life. Or maybe it's that habit, that, that occasional times that you go and view porn. Or, or maybe it's getting drunk on the weekends or popping painkillers that you know you really don't need any longer. Or marijuana, just, just, just getting a little high, you know, because I deserve this, I work so hard. It seems harmless. That's the lie. That's what the father of lies says. But it will enslave you it's, it seems like a harmless habit, but the reality is it's eating away at your very soul. And instead of turning to Jesus, you're turning to all these other things to medicate and to escape. It's a lie. Or, or maybe that business partnership that you're thinking about entering into, you're just about to make. It seems so lucrative, so innocent, so promising, but God knows it's not going to cause you to flourish, it's going to cause you to fail. The reality is it's going to end up being the most toxic partnership. The bottom line is not always, can I make more money by doing this? Just listening to the lies in our, in our ears, in our thoughts. Those little white lies, like I said, there are no color of lies. Well, it's not really bad it's not really, I'm just exaggerating, just, you know, just, just, just kind of in, just blowing it up a little bit bigger than it actually was. You know, it's just, just kind of spinned, a little exaggeration. No, it's deception. It's deception. See, the enemy deceives us into thinking that we're walking in the truth, but instead we're strolling towards destruction. Just all these compromises. Nobody's ever going to know. You're not really hurting anybody. Go ahead. It's only once. Nobody will find out. The devil deals in deception. Here's the second thing about the belt of truth that's important. The truth is God's opinion on any matter. That's what the truth is. The truth is God's opinion, not my opinion. God's opinion on any matter. Listen, I know you, you, you're not watching this in Poughkeepsie right now or online campus. People don't come here to our Hopewell campus to, to, uh, to hear what Greg's opinion is about anything. I, I mean, my opinion might even change. God's opinion is what makes the difference. 
That's why it's so important. We, we don't just stand up here and just espouse you know, all kinds of personal opinions and preferences. If I do, I, I try to make that clear. That's my opinion. That's my preference. That's my issue. God's word, the truth of God's word, that's what changes. What does God say? Truth is God's opinion on any matter. In fact, I love this in Romans chapter 3, verse 4. The Bible puts it this way. Not at all. Let God be true and every human being a liar. Let God be true and every human being a liar. I, I love that statement. It says the entire, all of humanity can say it's okay, but God says it's wrong. Guess what? It's wrong. It's not popular opinion. We're not going to vote on it. It doesn't change God's mind at all. None of it changes God's mind. Let God be true. What God says is the truth. And what other people say, if it contradicts what God says, they're lying. Let God be true and every human being alive. You know, there's three lies that we really love. That we hear this in our culture all the time. Three lies that, that we really love and we fall for all the time. Uh, here's the first one. Uh, everybody has their own truth. You know, tell me your truth. If everyone has their own truth, then there is no such thing as anything false. There is no truth. It's just every, everybody's mishmash opinions. If, if everyone has their own, there is no real truth. But there is real truth. And that is God's word. God's, this is God's truth. This is God's perspective. And so this is a lie that we believe, but we love so many of us. Everybody has their own truth. Or how about this one? You do you. Listen, you just do you, baby. You do you. Everything's going to be all right. You do you. There's only one problem with that. God's not going to judge you by you being you. God is going to judge every single one of us by his perfect son, Jesus Christ. And the only way we pass that judgment is if we have turned from our sin and received Jesus Christ as our Savior. It's not me doing me. It's me recognizing Jesus did for me what I could never do for myself. He lived a sinless and a perfect life, and he died as a sacrifice, laying that life down for you and for me to pay the price for my personal sins your personal sins, and he rose again. You do you. No, I don't want to do me. I want to do Jesus as my Lord and Savior. That's who I want to imitate. That's who I want to follow. That's who I'm clinging to. Not, not me being good enough to ever earn God's approval, God's forgiveness. You do you. Here's the third one. All roads lead to God. You know, all roads lead to God. How can you be so narrow-minded, you know, to just, just think there's only one way? Well, Jesus made that clear. We'll look at that in just a second. I, I love what, uh, this is also a lie. Every, everybody has their own truth. You do you, all roads lead to God. That, that's not true at all. That, that's not the truth of God's word. There are some roads, there are many roads that lead to total destruction and separation, eternal destruction from God. There is a way though, and that's found the truth of Jesus Christ. I love what the great preacher uh, Charles Spurgeon said. He, he said, Lord, help me to tell the difference not just between right and wrong, but right and almost right. Because you know what almost right is? Wrong. It's right or it's wrong. Almost right means you fell short of right. That's wrong. So I love this. Lord, help me to, help me to see it black and white instead of so much gray. Those lies, the deception of the enemy. Help me to see it, Lord, the way you see it. 
The devil deals in deception. Truth is God's opinion on any matter. Here's the third thing. Truth is a person. Truth is a person. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus made it perfectly clear. He answered, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And here it is. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Listen, this statement alone, either Jesus is Lord or he's a raving mad lunatic or he's a liar. You can't can't look at a statement like this by Jesus and say he's just a good teacher because he said nobody gets to God except you come through me. No one does. I I, I love this. uh, where, Where... he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is what I call, I mean, the gospel is exclusively inclusive. Because you take this and you, you also put it with John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The gospel is exclusively inclusive. It's for all people. Everybody's invited, but you got to come through me. It's for everybody. It's totally inclusive, but it's exclusive through Jesus. There's only one way to get to God. I am the way, the truth. Truth is a person, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Here's the fourth thing about the belt of truth that's important for us to remember. There is freedom in restriction. What? That doesn't even make sense. There is freedom in restriction. Let me explain it for just a minute. Back to the belt of truth. Now, back in the, the biblical times, the belt of truth we're looking at, men would wear tunics. A, a tunic is almost like a robe, almost down to the ankles. And, and if you were going to run, certainly if anyone ever attacked you or anything like that, you actually had to tuck in your tunic in order to be aware and, and uh, agile to fight a battle and to win, you had to tuck in your tunic. In fact, let me, uh, let, let me just show you a, a little illustration of this. If we can put up the next slide. Uh, King James Version says, gird your loins. <laughs> the idea is tuck in your tunic. And it almost looked like, you can see it here, it's almost like uh, folded, and it's, this, is, this is pretty crazy graphic uh, here that we have, that it actually shows how to tuck it in. It almost looks like a diaper, but, but you become very agile from this long tunic that would trip you up, very limited mobili- mobility. When you tuck up your tunic into the belt of truth, that's why they would wear this belt. You tuck it into the belt, then you're agile, and so you have the freedom to fight and to win. And so the whole idea here is there is freedom, let's go back to that, there's freedom in restriction. That when we tuck in our tunic, and I don't know why it is, maybe it's because it's the week before St. Patrick's Day or something like that, but I just hear, tuck in your tunic. Like, like Irish, tuck in your tunic. So, so just say that to someone right now, maybe sitting to the left or right. Tuck in your tunic. Tuck in your tunic with the truth. Tuck in your tunic. And, and so, you and I, we need to, if we could just show it, it's time for us to tuck in your tunic with the truth. Tuck in your tunic with the truth. And, and so here's a challenge over the next few weeks. Over the next six weeks, I want to encourage you. 
The truth is God's word. It's not my opinion. It's not your opinion. It's not Dr. Superduck on TV that tells you what this is what God's word says. It's God's word. So what I want to do is challenge you with this. There are six chapters in the book of Ephesians. I want to encourage you this week, read Ephesians chapter one every single day. Just the same thing over and over. It'll take you all of about four minutes. But just begin to allow God's word to get into your heart. Next week, Ephesians chapter two. And over the next six weeks, we're gonna become so accustomed and so familiar with the book of Ephesians. Day after day, just all this week, just Ephesians one, don't go into Ephesians two, just Ephesians one. And then over the next six weeks, and just allow God's word, and it's amazing how when we get into God's word, and God's word, watch this now, gets into us, that we'll just be going about our daily business, and then the Holy Spirit uses God's word to say, you know, Greg, you thought you were okay, kind of popping off with that negativity, but you're not supposed to let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, only that which is good for building up others. That's Ephesians. And all of a sudden, where I feel justified in, in popping off in a bad attitude because I'm feeling grumpy, all of a sudden I realize I'm not justified at all. And God's word transforms my mind and changes my thinking. When that fiery dart says, go ahead, get it off your chest. No, that's not what God's word has to say. So I encourage you to, for the next six weeks, read through the book of Ephesians, one chapter each week, and just start soaking in the truth of God's word, and it will begin to renew your mind and transform your life. The Holy Spirit's gonna speak to you, and he'll speak to you gently. He'll speak to you convictingly, showing us the right way to walk and leading us into eternal kind of life that he has for every single one of us as we follow Jesus and walk through this life with the truth of God's word, our belt of truth, that, that let, let God be true and every man a liar. It's what God says that's gonna make the difference. The belt of truth and forgiveness. We'll walk in forgiveness and we'll walk in freedom. I think for many of us right now, we're at a fork in the road. I think... For many of us, God's preparing some incredible opportunities in this next, over the next few weeks and months. A new season, if you will. But you know what I've learned? Just in my, my personal walk with the Lord, every time he's preparing me to step out in a new season, a new relationship, a new uh, ministry, uh, a new area of influence, I've got to prepare for the battle that's coming. But before he takes you there, God often asks you to tuck something into the, tuck your tunic in to the belt of truth. That there's a lie that I've been believing that's gonna keep me back, hold me back from all that God has for me to take this next step of faith in this next season. And so for, for many of us, you know what we need to do? We need to tuck our feelings into the belt of truth. It's not what I feel like doing, but this is what God says, this is what I should be doing. Just tuck that into the belt of truth. 
For many of us, there are desires that we have that are just ruling our life and they're totally, they're, they're totally just destroying and messing us up on the inside. And we need to tuck those desires into the belt of truth. Before you move up to the next level, God may actually ask you to tuck some of those bad habits into the belt of truth, those, those hidden sins, maybe even sexual desires that are just running wild in your life. For some of us, it's, it's tuck some bad attitudes that we justify, tuck them into the belt of truth. Instead, walk in humility, humbling ourselves before God because we know God's word says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So we need to tuck those bad attitudes into the belt of truth. I want to pray right now. But before I do, I, I just want to give an opportunity for anyone and everyone that may be here. One of the beautiful things about our church is this. Every single week, we have people that invite friends and, and, and when, when uh when we have a service like this, there are always people that are in our services online in Poughkeepsie that, that are, are not Christians. They're, they're here just kind of seeing what it's all about. And even as I've been speaking, God's been speaking to you. And, and the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you. And the, the, the freedom that we're talking about in terms of spiritual battle, every one of us, Christian and non-Christian, you're in a spiritual battle. But if you're going to be victorious, it starts with the belt of truth. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so if you've never taken that step of faith before to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to, I want to just lead you in a prayer right now. And I want to encourage you to open up your heart and, and just receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior today and put on that belt of truth. It's Jesus. Truth has a name, and his name is Jesus. And allow God to begin replacing the lies that you've been believing in your mind, the lies that, that too many of us believe with the truth of his word. Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. He is the truth. He said, you'll know me and it'll set you free. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for the truth of your word. And Lord, right now in this, this moment even, for those of us that, that are followers of Jesus Christ, that have received you, that have received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, God, we just pray you begin to identify these lies that we're still believing that are holding us back. And Lord, as we spend time this week, even re reading through Ephesians chapter one, Lord, that your Holy Spirit so gently, so kindly, so graciously would replace the lies that we believe with the truth of your word. Lord, that every day we would start our day by putting on the belt of truth, your word. Thank you, Father, for this weapon, this piece of your armor that you've given to us, the belt of truth. And now with our heads bowed, still and our eyes closed, if, if, if you're here today and you've never placed your faith, your life in Jesus Christ's hands, I want to lead you in this simple prayer. Just open your heart up to him right now because the Bible says if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So just repeat this prayer after me right now. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, I ask you to guide me, lead me, direct me by your Holy Spirit from this day forward. I turn from my sins and I choose to follow you now. In Jesus' name, amen.